Welcome to Just a Jew in the College. So much gratitude to Hashem. I'm really excited to release this first episode. This conversation is with a good friend of mine on campus at the University of Florida, Daniel Gross. So listen in to hear about what it's like starting your freshman year on a campus with a small Shomer Shabbat community and that seeing that community flourish into one of the fastest growing college communities in America. Okay, let's do this, Vizrat Hashem. Um, welcome, Daniel. Can you tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, first, it's great to be here. Um, a little about myself. Great to have you. About myself, I am from Boca Raton. I've lived there since I was five. So for all intents and purposes, it's my, uh, it's my home. I have three siblings who are all roughly my age, and I happen to be a twin, which makes kind of an interesting uh, setup. Uh, I'm currently in UF. I'm majoring in finance and and telecommunications, though more recently that telecommunications major has actually been converted into a minor. Uh, Some of my hobbies include, you know, building models on Excel. Uh, I love to draw. I love to edit videos. And... I also like to collect uh like to collect uh, neckties and I have a gazillion of those. So. <laughs> okay. So, when you were a senior, which is a couple years ago already, and you were looking at colleges, what were you looking for? And do you feel like where you are now at UF, do you feel like that matches up to your expectations? So, kind of a funny answer because for me, I I had a High school me had a very pioneer mentality, and that is wherever I went, I I, I try to make the Jewish life work. And one of the things I I'll admit I was pretty focused on was I wanted to go to a very good school. I didn't want to like I wanted to go somewhere where it was maybe a little more difficult to get into, and maybe it's a place that might you know it might maybe wow myself or you know look good on a resume. Though the truth is. It was very difficult applying when I was in high school to college because it's not that many schools with a pretty vibrant Jewish community. And even UF had very little of one when I was applying. So I ended up getting in. I remember when I applied to UF, I literally only applied because applied it was free, but I actually had zero intention of going. And what happened was that Bottom line, it ended up coming down to UF and Brandeis, which were around the same, UF, I think, being a little better. And I was kind of like, you know what? Like, Brandeis' community might be a little more vibrant, but it's going to be very hard to justify the cost. So let's go to UF for a weekend, see what, see what, I, like, see what we have to see, and see whether this is doable. And I went for the weekend, and... Let's just say it was not like how it was now. It wasn't nothing. It was definitely some degree of a community. But I was probably the only day school, like, you know, Jewish day school kid there for the weekend. And it was enough that I was able to work with it. But I remember, like, being on a tour, like, on the official university tour, and being a little nervous that I wasn't seeing any yarmulkes on campus. And I remember thinking to myself, worst comes to worst, if I end up here, and I can't, and I can't make it work Jewishly. I guess I'll just have to transfer. So, even a few days before, I so like I decided on UF. I stuck with it. Even yeshiva, I stuck with it. And then, I kid you not, a week before uh, school, I found out that two of my roommates, that's Josh and Daniel, were not going to be there for fall semester because of COVID. And 
I literally panicked. I'm like, I have no clue if this is going to work Jewishly. And I remember I called Adina and we spoke for, I think, about two hours discussing how we were going to make it work. Like, oh, we'll have challah bakes. And first week I was there and all of my fears were subsided. It definitely wasn't, you know, what I was used to, but it definitely was, you know, it definitely was an experience I was welcoming. I was pretty welcome, you know, I was pretty excited about. Awesome. Do you feel the same way about that prestige factor now as you did back in high school? Um, to be totally honest with you, I thought when I got to college, I'd stop caring. The truth is I had it. I think I'm very, I think I'm very happy in the fact that I'm in a hard school and a difficult school. I think it pushes you. I think, you know, the classes move pretty quickly. I think it allows you to learn more. So I really, I think the one thing I learned though, is that when it comes to, you know, colleges, it's more about range, it's more about range and less about numbers. And that is like if I had to, you know, put a bunch of, you know, pretty good schools in a basket, that's how I do it. And it doesn't really matter for 20 or 30 or something like that. But like, do I think the quality of education is pretty good? Yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> like, I mean, so much of what I learned, I've been using, like, you know, correct, you know, I guess in the internships and so on. So I, you know, I thought I'd stop caring once I got into a school, but frankly, I'm very happy. You know, I made a decision that I did. Yeah, for me, it's like, for me, it's complicated, you know, because I find the curriculum here, at least in the engineering school, to be very challenging, but also very practical. And I could tell that I've gained a lot from it. It's just hard when I think about how, how, much time and effort I have to put into school and I don't know it's it's an interesting experience that hopefully I will be done with one day and but yeah I don't know how I necessarily feel about the prestige factor anymore but um, but I'm happy at least you know getting something out of it yeah. yeah no I see it but like you know I used to like think at one look I used to think at one point, you know, like, you know, like, oh, they're all the same. But the truth is, and like, I think my brother was talking to me once and he was saying how, like, he was taking an accounting class and it was like week, like two or something. And like, he was already doing adjusting entries. I probably did that maybe around the same time too. This is uh, Aaron and Wash U. And like, I remember like talking to someone in like another school and they're like, yeah, we did that like week, like five of the semester. So like by doing it at week two, like it allowed like, you know, it kind of allowed you to get more out of the class if you move quicker. It is harder to do, but you know, I guess this is the time of life, time in life where I have the energy to push myself. So, yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about UF in general. Yeah, personally, like I I started my degree at a different school, so I know to a certain extent extent firsthand that the curriculum is pretty different here than it was at that other school. Um, a little more challenging, you know, but but I'm definitely learning a lot from it. Hey, challenging isn't bad. It's just challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Guess so. Yeah. Okay. So next question. Because you grew up in a primarily religious environment that consisting of a Jewish day school, one of the largest Orthodox synagogues in the country, and also just one of the largest out of town communities in the country 
Um, what was it like coming to a place where like the vast majority of your Jewish peers didn't have that same background? So a few things. I guess I would say one, it was quite eye-opening. And, you know, an example I'd use, and, you know, maybe it's not something I'm super proud of, but, you know, I kind of, like, had the notion that, like, if you weren't Orthodox, you basically were just, like, you know, you basically just had zero spirituality or zero, you know, anything, which I kind of learned wasn't really true, to be honest, is that there's a lot of people out there who maybe, you know, they're not necessarily Orthodox, but I really do know their stuff and what they do keep they're quite passionate about. And I guess in theory, you know, I heard of, I've heard of people like that, but I didn't really like recognize what that really meant. So that was something interesting. The other thing I found interesting was, I guess, how people kind of ended up to where they are religiously. So I'll use like, a good example of, let's say, like my early friends in UF. This is like my first, you know, my first, second semester here where pretty much none of them had, you know, a Jewish day school background. They were from, you know, who would, who knows where, right? Not anywhere, you know, the typical, you know, modern Orthodox people would be from, like Boca, New York, or New Jersey, so not or something Spanish like that. High school in Boca Raton. What? Not Spanish River High School in Boca Raton. I was not. I'm not even thinking Spanish River. And it's just kind of interesting how you know the question I always used to ask. You know, I guess you know, the, like I used to ask a lot of Baltruvas, like what made you decide to take this on? Because from an outside standpoint, you know, if you don't understand like its beauty, it kind of just could seem like a, it kind of could seem like a burden. So it was like, what made you like, what made, what made you almost see that this is what, this is how you want to live your life. And you know, every answer is a little different. Some answers is, you know, people want to, uh, originally they just want to connect with the fact that they were Jewish and, and, you know, learn, Hey, you know, there's a lot of things I could do there. And it kind of just grew with it. Some people needed a little bit of guidance in life. But the thing is with me is that like, as crazy as it sounds, I almost feel like I didn't really choose it up until recently because it just was the way I was raised. And I never really thought any, I never really thought anything different. True. Like, I think I was describing to someone, someone's like, oh, it must be very hard to keep kosher. I'm like, when you've been doing it your whole life, it's just second nature at this point. Like, but what I do find interesting, though, when like, I'm, I kind of looked ahead of the question, so I might bleed into another question, was that because I'm in an environment that isn't exactly, you know, it, it isn't exactly, you know, the, a modern Orthodox hotspot, it does make me realize that whatever I'm doing religiously, I'm doing not because anyone's forcing me to, but because I want to be doing it. And that was very powerful, especially for me, because for someone who kind of was like, am I doing this because, you know, because I really, because I really buy into it? Or am I doing this because of my community? That was kind of a question that always struck me of, you know, like what makes me do this in the first place? And I guess by not having, you know, by having very little pressure, you know, in one direction versus another, the fact that, you know, three years later, I'm still, you know, I'm still a modern Orthodox Jew kind of says to me, you know what, like, there's a lot of, you know, coolly, I chose this, you know, this isn't like, it's not being forced upon me. It's not someone, you know, lecturing me, this is what I should do and don't do. Because no one will, like, I, I joke a lot, you know, like, oh, Zaxby's, we could stop there. But I, I know, I have no intention of going there. Well, why not? No one's going to stop me. 
The answer is because I don't want to because it's not kosher. That's the that's the answer. So the, then, of course, I found interesting, you know, going back, going back to what I was saying before, and I think I'm kind of rambling at this point, going back to all the people who took this on, you know, their whole lives, they could have had, you know, the convenience of I'm using restaurants as an example, and they chose not to. So what always struck me was, you know, what made pe- what made people see the beauty in this? Because, you know, look, unfortunately, if we're going to be honest here, uh, let's just say Netflix hasn't given Orthodox Judaism a good rep. So, <laughs> and if that's all you know about Orthodox Judaism, like, you know, it's not, a, it's, it's not really, uh, it doesn't make it sound so great. Right. Um, when you were in yeshiva, did you feel at that point in your life, like you were making the choice or did you feel it on some level and it became much more consistent or much more whole of a feeling when you got to college? I definitely would say it felt more whole when I got to college. I feel like when I was in yeshiva, I think I was learning a lot. It allowed me to evaluate, you know, like what type of Judaism I feel like is more is most authentic to me. But it never, it, you know, the difference with yeshiva though is that it's very, very, very easy to be a religious, you know, an Orthodox Jew in yeshiva. Kosher food is plentiful. Your schedule is built around, you know, even in high school, your schedule was built around the holidays. You're constantly with, you know very spiritual and holy people, Rebbeim, students alike. And there's literally no pressure to go in one direction versus the other. I mean, I mean, so I feel like with Yeshiva, like, it definitely was a time where I, I evaluated, you know, kind of how do I relate to Judaism? How do I relate to Hashem? But it wasn't, it wasn't a question of, you know, do I do this because I want to, or I do this, or I do this because I'm forced to. So college really answered that question for me more so than anything. But I think what I got out of yeshiva though, is I guess what, I guess, you know, what maybe I'm, you know, how, you know, kind of, I guess maybe my ashkafa in a way, if you want to call it that, I don't even sound like I have like a, you know, it's not like I have a Ashkafa etched in stone, but I guess, you know, maybe a worldview. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you're, you're taking time out of your life to reevaluate, like you said, and then ultimately you're kind of like choosing the direction you want to go in. And I guess there is that element of choice in it, but it's not until college where like the real like free will choice aspect of it comes in where that ch- the choice you make in college is what actually cements that into who you are. So it's interesting. Okay, next question. Yeah, go go for it. Okay. Um, so back in your first year on campus, obviously it was also a COVID year, but really it was before this uh, big change of demographic in the community on campus. Um, what did you do to make the most out of Shabbos that year? So I have to say Shabbos was actually pretty fun and consistently between my three years, Friday night has always been my favorite, my highlight, the highlight of the week. Um, The difference that year is that it was a lot smaller. So we pretty much all hung out together. And I guess unlike now where it's like 
the community is a little too big to have everyone be in one friend group. Then there literally was only one friend group. It was just whoever showed up, those were your friends. And it was nice because you kind of, you know, it was very intimate. You really knew everyone quite well and everyone felt very close. I feel like, you know, for some people who want that big Shabbaton scene, you know, they could maybe get a little bored. But truth is, that's not what I was looking for initially. And I like the notion that, you know, I knew who my friends were. Everyone, we all knew each other. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like there was different social groups. It was everyone was together and it was nice. In terms of making the most of Shabbos, I mean, what do we used to do then? We used to play a lot of games and do a lot of walks. I remember we walked to the, the bat, you know, the bat houses. I think we did the Rainbow Bridge. Um, we also had two Buckram then too, who were like kind of part of the community, Schneer and Schneer. They they think they might have visited Schneer. since. But yeah, yeah. I got so used to them being there. But like compared to now though, you know, I mean it was a lot harder to get, get davening done. It was very it, that was very difficult. Um even like even the way the the, the seating was set up was a little different. Even before I was in, you know, when I was in high school, it used to just be everyone, all the tables were aligning a chet. When I started UF, they went back to the individual tables. They then went, they then went to a chet for a little bit and it stayed that way for a little bit. And then it just got too big. You know, once COVID, you know, subsided and more people started showing up and more people started showing up consistently, you know, so you know, I guess, you know, they're related to tables. It used to kind of just be, you know, everyone was together. And now it's kind of, it's a little too big for everyone to know everyone on such an intimate level. But okay. still, you know, it's nice that it's big. It gives us, it gets, creates a lot more infrastructure. You know, it allows for things like, you know, the Winn-Dixie to become kosher. It allows for Minyan to become more frequent. It allows, you know, maybe like Yeshiva Night literally used to just be my apartment and Zach. That was Yeshiva Night. It was... Josh, me, Sam, Daniel, and Zach, and Zach Rabinowitz. And, oh, and, and, and Ilya, sometimes. Ilya will go every once in a while. So it's a lot bigger now. And even if it's, even if it's, even if, you know, not every night is super big, it's a lot more variety in people going. So okay. I, I, I think I keep on like, you know, um, I keep on going on tangents, but I hope the essence of the question is answered. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with your first year being rather small and then all of a sudden, like we're both part of the probably one of the fastest growing observant college communities. And all of a sudden your second year, like 20, at least 20 new people that are Shomer Shabbat individuals uh, came to UF. Were there moments when you felt like taken off guard or just had trouble adapting to this? Okay, it's religiously it became easier as the years went on. Socially, I'd say every year I always was a little worried what it would be like. So my first year, I was I was one of the few freshmen. So, you know, when I finished my first year, you know, a lot of friends graduated. And I was always very nervous about I have to start over. It's a completely new set of people, you know, it's not gonna be the same, and so on. And that so when you know twenty people kind of showed up at my doorstep, it was definitely a little unnerving in the sense like, huh, like I really am gonna have to start over a little bit. But thank God everything worked out pretty well. The other thing is also I think like I think with every passing year, 
my place has kind of changed within the friend group, if you want to call it that, or in the community. My first year, I know, like, I remember Zach Rabinowitz said to me, I was like the token child because I was like <laughs> one of three freshmen who were like, it was Sam, me, and Adina. And like, you know how often Sam shows up. So like, it was really just Adina and me. And like the second year I was older and then now I'm even older and there's a lot more. So I almost kind of went from like, you know, maybe being like the kid who was very wide eyed and excited to maybe being a little bit more of a veteran trying to bring people in. But I ultimately think, you know, it worked out for the best. I also, you know, just like kind of a side note, you know, I started doing jokes, I think maybe my, um, maybe my first year, I feel like it was my first year, maybe my second, I think I want to say it's my first. And of course, every year it's a new crowd. So it, I always wonder like, you know, will a new crowd be as into it as the crowd the previous year? And, you know, sometimes, you know, a little more into it and sometimes not. And granted the jokes are a pretty small thing, but it's kind of a microcosm for a larger, you know, a larger idea. And that is like every year is kind of a new set of people somewhat. And with that new set of people comes completely new dynamics. And, and you know, new jokes. I think we should do some Polak jokes in there. But you know what? You know that used to be Dave Ritara, by the way. And <laughs> But the thing is, there was not enough in the community was like, you know, observant enough where like it, it would resonate. So that's when it started becoming jokes. But the first, like, I remember my first year, I'm like, one day I'm going to give a speech and everyone pressured, everyone pressured me to do it. And I gave a speech. And it was like a pretty nice Vartara. I think I tried it a second time, but I felt like they weren't resonating with people. And someone suggested doing jokes and it just, that's kind of how it started. Like, but yeah, hope, ho hopefully I, hopefully I hit the, hopefully I hit that one on the head with the question meeting. Sure. Um, okay, so up until recently, like you said in your intro, you were double majoring. Why did you originally decide to double major and how did you decide to let go of the second major? Okay. This is like my classic interview question. Um, truth is when I first came to UF, I actually planned to major in telecom and pursue that. And the only reason why I did finance was because it was a practical major and to maybe, you know, uh, let my dad sleep a little easier at night. <laughs> but I kind of grew to like finance a lot. I didn't expect to, to be honest with you. That was a kind of like, I remember at first, the first accounting class I was taking, I was like, oh, I don't really like this so much. And then like oh, a few weeks later, I was like, wait a minute. No, I do like this. In fact, I love this. And it kind of caught me off guard when I started realizing, you know, how much I enjoyed, you know, the finance stuff. And eventually that kind of became the thing I wanted to pursue. And but telecom kind of, you know, I still stuck with because it was always a hobby, a dream of mine. And what kind of made me decide to drop it was actually a multitude of a few things. The first thing is I used to want to make my hobbies into a career. But sometimes I feel like your hobbies or the things you're passionate about are best not to be a career. And because... Yeah. You don't want to like, look, I, I love, I love to draw and every, and I was little, I, people used to always ask me, how come you never like enter any like competitions, like art competitions? And I'm like, I don't want to corrupt my hobby. I'm like, I don't want it to be a cause of stress, a cause of, you know, anxiety. It just likes to draw and that's it. And I feel like with telecom, like I like to make videos. I'll always like to make videos that will never change, but you know, being in the actual world, you know, being in the actual film industry is very, very stressful. Um, 
fact, I'd argue that being you know, like a, a film director is probably among the most stressful jobs imaginable because you got to manage a, you're on a very tight set schedule. You got to manage a gazillion people. This people are constantly fighting, you know. And I was kind of like, you know what? I like this more as a hobby than as a career. The second thing, and this is the more practical reason, was that because my na- my majors have very little overlap. I've kind of been neglecting my telecom major and I realized it'd be very difficult to finish it in four years. So I thought it'd just be easier to convert it to a minor. So at least I could have, you know, the credit for all everything I've, you know, worked for in telecom without necessarily having to finish a degree. So that's kind of what happened. It was a multi it was a it was a combination of being being practical and me realizing, you know, I like this more as, you know, you know, an untouched and uncorrupted hobby, you know, because like worse comes to worse, if finance becomes stressful great. It's always been stressful, but you know, me making videos has always been like my escape from school or, you know, from any, you know, any point of anxiety, you know, me making videos and me drawing was at my point of escape. And I'm not sure if I was ready to mesh those two worlds. Right. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, like a couple months ago, I was talking with my rabbi and we're trying to figure out like, do I necessarily still want to be pursuing engineering or like why do I just feel like this isn't giving me meaning right now and he's like Dossie like what are you passionate about like you have to find a way to infuse what you're gonna do with your life like with your passion but I feel like there is a certain balance between that and as you said like corrupting your hobbies like for me like one of my hobbies is thank god like I like writing music and if I had to do that to like meet deadlines or, or meet like a certain criteria or whatever, it, it would like, it wouldn't be the same level of authenticity. It would have like a certain level of stress associated with it. You know, there's a, it's, it's a difficult line to navigate, but it's, it's great. You know, it's a blessing to see that like you've already, you have some clarity on that and hopefully, hopefully, what you're pursuing continues to give you uh, happiness and, and bracha and some parnasa, hopefully. <laughs> Hoping. Sewer state schools are getting any cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you had to say so, which do you think you are thriving in more? Your studies in professional life or your Judaism? And what's one way you want to do better in the weaker area? Um, I think it's a slightly difficult question and I'll explain why, you know, my gut feeling was to say professionally because, you know, really, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like I'm still in the process of interviewing, but you know, I had a great internship last summer. My school, my, so far, you know, my GPA has been very good. Thank God. Classes so far have been going pretty well, but Going back to what I was saying before with, you know, going back, I guess, maybe with like Judaism, that is, it's so easy, I guess, now at this point in my life to, you know, kind of maybe skimp out on a few, you know, or maybe bend the rules or cut corners, you know, in Judaism. And the fact that I haven't really been doing that makes me say that, hey, you know, like it's gotten harder and, you know, I'm still, you know, and I'm still standing. The thing, the thing is, though, if I'm going to be totally honest with you, I still think when it comes to, you know, I still think when it comes to Judaism, I can be better. Um, you know, 
I guess something I normally, you know, I've normally struggled with and still do is I haven't really been dominating with too much Kavana. It's kind of just something I do. And even if I do it three times a day, you know, is it three times a day where I'm really connecting or three times a day where I'm reading words off a page and then calling it? So it's like, I remember like Pierce making fun of me. He's like, this is you davening, blah, 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 blah. And like, it's funny for a moment. And then you think to yourself, like, I, am I really like that? You know, maybe, maybe that's something I got to fix. So when you're like, like when you're in yeshiva, it's easy. You're, at, you're around people, you're seeing people get connected and you kind of just, you know, join up in a group. But you know, when it's a little harder and the community's smaller and, you know, and so on, you know, sometimes you lose that, uh, sometimes you lose that sight of, you know, who you're speaking to. Like, you put your trillin on, you're like, I'm not just, you know, in my apartment or in Chabad. I'm literally before, you know, the king of all kings. Yeah. So that's definitely something I feel like I should work on. Have I been working on it? Should I cut it a little? Can I be better? Of course. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> Of course. I mean, like, but if I had to say it's something I need to work on, I'd say it's definitely that. If you could think of, and this is kind of on the spot, but if you could think of one way to work on that or one tiny aspect of that that you could improve on, what do you think you could do? I'd say not procrastinating davening. And I'll use an example. Last night, I was very, very tired, right? And literally, I, I don't know why, I've been going to sleep very early. And I kid you not, I lied down in my bed and I fell asleep. And then somehow I popped out of my bed at 2 a.m. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to daven Marv. So, I love 2 a.m. Marv. So I daven, but like the point with 2 a.m. Marv, now some people like that, and as you do, and some people are half asleep and they're just shuffling through the words. Right. To say, you know, to, you know, put up, you know, put Marv in the books. And part of me feels like if I just davened at maybe like 7 p.m. when I was still awake or 8 p.m., you know, I wouldn't have to worry. You know, I mean, I could just, you know, I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, like I'll have a, <laughs> I'm a lot more awake then. Another example I could use is that like, let's say, for instance, I have an orthodontist appointment. Right. And let's say my orthodontist appointment is at 9 a.m. Right. I sleep yeah. a little, I sleep in a little bit and then I'm like, oh shoot, I got to run. I'm not going to be able to, you know, do chakras before my orthodontist appointment. I come back and I'm like pretty, you know, I do it, but I'm like pretty cl close to Chatzot. You know what I mean? Or maybe like I'm pretty close as Moncrieff Shema, like closer than I should be. So it becomes more of me trying to rush to get it done to be, you know, race against the clock versus me actually just not, you know, me doing it because I, you know, because I'm connecting. So part of me is if I did things earlier or maybe things at a little more of an appropriate time and less, you know, less, you know, maybe doing things at the, at the absolute deadline, you know, davening won't become a race against the clock or a race against me being tired. It'll be something I actually want to do and something I enjoy. <laughs> but, but yeah, those, those 2 a.m. Mars, they're, they're brutal, I have to say. And like... <laughs> I literally would have, like, if I forget, I just pop, literally randomly I just pop out of bed. It'd be like 3 a.m. and 2 a.m. I'd be like, oh, shoot. I got to do this, don't I? So that's probably, like, I feel like if I start there, it definitely would be a good stepping stone for something better. You should come Davin with me and Sam at Chabad in the morning. I know it's not a minion, but it's, uh, it's a step up. I should. Honestly, I should. I'm not, like... <laughs> Like, like, have I been going? No. Should I? Yeah. I, I, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, like, you know, I'm not gonna pretend, like, you know, uh, 
I'm not going to pretend like I'm in the right here. <laughs> you could learn morning Seder with us too afterwards. I have class around that time. You guys do morning uh, Seder. So but like the minute davening, I should be able to do, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe that'll be uh, this week's project. Yeah. Okay. I think that is the end. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. No, no and problem. Very, it was very good, very insightful conversation that hopefully people will will find inspiring and benefit from. And yeah. A huge thank you again to Daniel for taking the time to share with you his experience. Many of you have amazing stories and unique perspectives. And if you're interested in being on this show or just having an awesome conversation on the air, please, please reach out in the email address in the bio. Thank you so much again for listening and Bezrat Hashem, more in the future.